I'm Kate Northrup. And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business. Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Welcome back to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Mike. And this is Kate. I'm deflecting responsibility. So I just said to Mike, we were talking, we're, we're going to do a listener shout out, a listener review, and uh, we have a lot of new reviews. So welcome to all the new listeners. If you're new here, we're yeah, super thanks. psyched you're here. And I just said to Mike, well, because we were saying, well, which one did we do? Do you remember this one? And I said, well, maybe if you wrote on a sticky note, the last one we did and put it by your computer. And Mike was like, yeah. Rah, 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 rah. And then he goes, well, maybe if you didn't drop your phone on the ground and break the screen. And I was just saying how it's really bad for marital unity. <laughs> to bring other he was kidding by the way but in case you or your partner does this when you bring something up and then the other person or they bring something up and then you bring in something that they did that's completely unrelated to this to deflect the attention off themselves it's like a really passive aggressive thing to do so Mm -hmm. i just that's a that's a that's a couples and marriage psa don't do that shit yeah it will degrade our scenario was completely a joke at that moment in time, so we laughed about it. But but uh, we thought it was a great teaching it's a good, moment. It's a good thing to uh, share because um, this is real. Yeah, there's a lot going on over here, folks. We just had two back-to-back interview episodes with our friends Laura Roeder and Jada Selner. So go back and listen to those if you haven't. Jada talked about how to grow your email list in 30 days or less with online challenges. Oh, and today is Laura Roeder. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Uh, so we're so excited to tell you about Laura. But before we do, we've known her. I've known Laura for a million years. So it was super fun to have her on the podcast. But first, let's do our listener shout out. All right. This is coming in from the United States. We'll do two of them today. We've had a lot that's rolled in, but we'll go with start with two. Great listening. This is from Miss Katie Mack. I really appreciate the podcast. As a working mom that juggles working from home and managing type 1 diabetes in my toddler, I needed Kate's do less philosophy. I'm a commissioned sales mortgage banker and I rely on my own skill to set and find my clients. That's awesome. After a couple of years of this juggle, I was burning out quick. Podcasts like this are a great tool to stay grounded and energized. It's unique to hear from both perspectives in the show and always offers me conversations to have with my spouse. Hmm, That's fun. Yes. Thank you for your work and putting yourselves out there for all of us. Well, thank you, Miss Katie Mack. It would be fun to do a whole episode of conversations to have with your spouse because Mike and I, before we got married. You should talk in the microphone. Okay. Hello. Speak into the microphone. Mike and I, before we got. You don't have to go deep like that. Just. We're not doing. Let me live. (laughs) We're not doing a deep readings with Kate Northrop Watts. Maybe we are. Maybe. Maybe we are. Anywho. Let me live. Yeah. (laughs) Really stopping you from living. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what I was going to say is Mike and I read this book before we got married called 10 Great Dates Before You Say I Do. And it is a religious book. So I just want to put that out there. And Mike and I are super not religious, but we were able to sort of just like read it through our own filter and take out the parts that felt dogmatic and it was 
excellent to have these 10 really important conversations and there were little worksheets and and we're super nerds so we did them all of conversations that I think are really important to have either before you get married or with your partner about like all the stuff that is going to erode your relationship if you don't talk about it explicitly and expressly. So maybe we'll do an episode like that. That was obviously a sidebar. But thanks, Miss Katie Mack, for listening. That was good. <laughs> okay. Great. Okay. Let's go uh, over to now. I just well, hold on. To... I'm going to do another review. Oh, you are. Okay. Yes, I said two. Okay, great. Okay, put your coffee down until we're done. Put your coffee down. I listen while doing the dishes. This is from Little Bird eighty one. So for Little Bird and Miss Katie Mack, hit me up on Instagram at Mike J Watts. And I will will send you something special in the mail. I had to leave the review after today's opening. I don't have a dog, so I can't wash my dog and listen. Your podcast is the weekly must listen. Thank you for the business and life advice and the vulnerability of real life. Christy, everyday motherhood. Oh, I love that. Thanks. I, I got a lot of uh, feedback on the dog and Spotify playlists that exist. It's pretty amazing. I got I got some as well. I also got a huge load of people who guessed Bye Bye Birdie correctly. So I just huge shout out to my fellow musical theater nerds. I'm so happy to know that you are listening to the podcast and I will do my best to throw more show tune Easter eggs into the episodes whenever possible. So congrats. You all won. One person won first, but everyone else won as well. So now, before we get into telling you about our amazing guest for today, I have one more thing to say, which next week's episode is going to be a full deep dive on. But this week, this past week, at the time of recording this intro, I decided to go public on something pretty controversial because we have an important vote coming up in Maine about Law LD-798, which has to do with protecting our ability as parents to choose a delayed schedule if we want to for vaccinations. It also protects the religious and philosophical exemption if somebody fell under that category. And it's been an intense time here in our state. And there are legislatures all over the country and all over the world who are basically saying you have to follow the government schedule or else you cannot go to public school or private school or even online school or even college or even being a grown-up and going to night school. Right, as an adult as well. Yes. So my stance has always been body autonomy, and that shouldn't surprise you if you're a listener of this show. It's completely connected to the conversation about embodiment and freedom and tapping into that inner guidance system that is the only source of truth that will connect us to what we actually need to do. And turning from looking to outer authority to doing our own research and looking within. So I wanted to say, if you're interested in the conversation around informed consent and protecting choice and body autonomy, I have a whole highlight on my Instagram stories. Certainly, if you're in Maine, I would urge you to do your research, research both sides, make your own decision based on your own internal guidance system. I am not here to tell you what to believe, but I am here to say that things are not always what they seem. And we really need to, in all circumstances, we've talked about this a million times regarding birth and regarding Mike's healing journey, it comes back to we have to strengthen that connection with our inner source of wisdom because no one else on the planet could ever know what is best for our bodies when we are the only one 
living inside our body. So go check out the Body Autonomy highlight on my IG stories. If you're in Maine, please vote. I recommend getting an absentee ballot so you don't have to worry about getting to the polls. And we can put the link to get your absentee ballot right in the show notes. And that is what I have to say on that. Great. Great. Uh, yeah, th- this is not a... This is getting somewhat... We'll talk more about this next week, but like just this basic conversation what Kate said. And what this bill has been about, because there's two sides to the bill. There's a yes side and there's a no side, right? To reject the bill or to support the bill. We're on the... We're on the reject the bill, which is the yes side. Yeah, it's confusing the yeah. way they word these things. And because this has been in the news as like, this is an anti-vax conversation, right? And this is has nothing to do with like whether you support vaccines or not. This is a conversation about is this going to be somewhat they're saying that it's not mandatory. But the reality is, like, if your kids or as an adult are not up to date, you cannot attend school. So it has to be in these. And there's these choice. And so it leaves these companies, the pharmaceutical companies, they're not responsible anyway. Right. So it's holding these companies accountable for what they're actually doing is what this the, the bottom line is what this comes down to. But we will talk more about this next week. And I have all this, all the data linked yes. in my body autonomy story highlights. And my mom and I also did a video that you can find the same video with all the resources on my Facebook page, on YouTube, and on my IGTV. So those will all be linked in the show notes as well, depending on what source of information you like to find. And then I do have to just say one other thing, which is that in mid-2019, there was a Google smackdown on all sources of natural and alternative health information. So Google is not an unbiased source. Just talk to anybody who has functional medicine or naturopath or acupuncture or anything in the title of their website or in the, you know, in the keywords for SEO. People's web traffic went down by 90% around June of 2019 because Google decided to start censoring information about natural and alternative health. Now, that's just really important to know. So you need to be using a search engine to do your own research, to make your own decisions that is as unbiased as possible. And we love to use DuckDuckGo. And DuckDuckGo is also not storing your information for where you are. And it's actually a private search engine. So I'm not, I don't get all twirled out about like being tracked. But if you do, <laughs> then DuckDuckGo is a great resource for you. And you can make it your default browser on your phone and on your computer. Okay, so over to what we're talking about today. Well, the last announcement oh. before we dive in is B-School. Oh, yeah. So B-School is happening right now. And Laura Roeder, our guest today, we did not do this on purpose, but, you know, when you get in the flow with time, things start to really work out easily without you having to do so much planning. So Laura was actually the original co-founder of B-School with Marie Forleo. And in this episode, she is going to share the story about why she walked away and why that was an incredibly powerful decision for her and her desired lifestyle. And I just love the story so much. And to be honest, even though I've known Laura and Marie since they started B-School, I never knew this story. So it was actually really cool to get the behind the scenes. And B-School is happening right now. It only happens once a year. 
And we have a do less, achieve more beautiful bonus package that goes along with B-School if you want to learn modern, elegant marketing in this incredible eight-week course. Then head over to katenorthrup.com forward slash B-School. To me, it is a required course for anyone who wants to leverage the internet to grow their business of any kind. katenorthrup.com forward slash B-School. Now over to Laura Roeder. We have our girls home, so you might hear them in the background as we read Laura's bio. So Laura is the founder and CEO of the social media automation tool, Meet Edgar. And she's been an independent entrepreneur since she was 22 years old. And she's always felt most at home inside the small business community. In 2009, her first business before Meet Edgar was LKR Social Media, where she taught business owners how to harness the power of social media marketing and create their own online fame. And before she founded LKR Social Media was the... She'll talk about in this program about finding B-School with Marie. Yes. Hi, Ruby. We have Ruby with we have us Ruby's here. also. And she was also named one of the top entrepreneurs under 30 in 2011, 2013, and 2014. And she even spoke about entrepreneurship at the White House. And her weekly newsletter of social media tips, guides, and news has grown to over 100,000 readers, too, if you want to check that out, that'll be at the link in the show notes. Um, so that's what we've got for you today. So we're no. so excited to tell you. Oh, we're so sorry about about that. <laughs> this is just running a business from home with two little kids. So Laura will tell you the story of how she co-founded B-School and then why she walked away and what happened in her life as a result. She also is going to talk about Edgar, her social media automation tool and what's so genius about it. It's very do-less. And you're going to hear how she was able to create a company that she could 100% step away from and not have to work at all in order to still create a really great income from her family and have complete freedom, like meaning taking months off at a time and all she has to do is make a call to say, I'm not going to be on the team call for the next three months or whatever. It's very powerful. I love her story. She's a total freedom seeker and creator. She's a really, really smart lady. And I think you're going to really love her because no matter what kind of business you want, on some level, we all want some level of freedom. And so you're going to love hearing about how to do that with Laura Roeder. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, Laura. We are so excited to have you on the Kate and Mike show. Yes, I'm very happy to be here. Obviously, we know each other as friends, but I am also a podcast fan. So it's like really cool for me to be on a podcast that I do listen to. It's very exciting. Well, thank, thank you, you for listening. This is uh, the Kate and Mike show. We should, um, I'm going to tell her how big of a deal we are. Tell oh, me. Oh, the Kate and Mike show? Yeah. So I didn't know how is, big of a deal. We have a, we have a, news to a me friend also. of ours that works in the book publishing industry. Oh, yeah. This is and funny. so we were talking about like just the episodes and just like whatever. And Stuff. we were about new things that she's working on because I just like finished. Like some, she works for one of the big publishing yeah, houses, so like the big five. And she finished some books that we or her department was publishing some books and promoting them. And I was like asking her about this book. Did you read it? The whole thing. And they, you know, she was talking to me about the author, et cetera. And she goes, well, you were on the publicity. The Kate and Mike show ended up on the pitch of, so I'm Top like, oh, we're on yeah. the pitch list at Random House, people. I that was, I was so like, funny. Yeah, big time, big apparently. Big deal. Yeah. Anyway, it always 
shocks and amazes (laughs) and thrills me when people we know who like I really respect in business listen to this show. So thanks for listening and thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for coming. So, okay. So Laura, you and I met a million years ago. Uh, Really, like it feels like a million years ago. Mm -hmm. I think we met in 2008. That is probably right. The first time I, of course, was trying to think about this. The first time I remember meeting you is actually at my house, my parents' house in Austin at a South by Southwest party. Oh, Oh, yeah. Well, so I think we actually technically, I knew of you long before that, but I think we actually technically met on that weird cruise that we went on at Summit at Sea. Okay. I think we met before that, but yes, we were oh, also okay. Maybe there together. Was, okay. Oh, you're right. A lot, a lot of South by Southwest was first and then we were together the next month. Anyway, that was a weird year. That was the year Mike and I started traveling together. And yeah, but I was aware of you from when you started B-School with Marie and launched it in 2009 mm. for the first time. Yes, in 2009. The reason I remember you at South by Southwest is because, so I used to host a party every year at my parents' house because my parents live in Austin and my mom loves your mom. So I told my mom, you know, Christian Northrup's daughter is here. And my mom was like, there is a celebrity in my house. Like, <laughs> she, was, she was really, she was really excited to meet you by association with your mom. really sweet that's what I remember about it oh I love that I do remember that party it was fun we should like send her we should send your mom like an autograph book or something yes I mean she would love that for real yeah yeah yeah, so drop us. We'll yeah, when we get we'll off. Get your mom's yeah, address. Just okay. your mom's address. We, we've got to hook up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I would love to know because I think it's always helpful for context your business trajectory. So mm. there you were in the you know late two thousand decade, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Mid to late, you were a web designer. Yeah, and yeah. that was your thing, Laura Rota Studios, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was a web designer for really not that long, really about two years, which I guess would have been about 2006, 2007 or 2007, 2008. And then sort of through that world, I discovered this whole world of online courses and information products. And I switched over to that in... 2008, 2009. And then, yeah, in retrospect, I was kind of an early person doing courses full time. You know, when I started doing it, there weren't all these platforms and software. You just had to build everything yourself. And there also, it didn't feel like, you know, people who do courses now sometimes will be like, oh, everybody has a course and there's a million of them on my topic. And it didn't really feel that way at the time. No, it was like the wild, wild west. It was Mm -hmm. just like, well, it cost more to get everything going and Right. There weren't so many tools that made the drag and drop, but it was easier in certain ways because you were out there and it was just like, oh, wow, cool. There's a course on, you know, like my first course was about Twitter. Yeah. I made a course about Twitter. (laughs) You did? How to use Twitter. That was, yeah, my first information product just called your backstage pass to Twitter. And people needed to know how to use Twitter. So I made a class and I told them about it. I should still take that class. (laughs) Yes. You don't even use Twitter. I don't. I can't. There's just too many things going on. I choose Instagram. That is what I choose. Okay. (laughs) And then, so kind of just like give us, if you don't mind, give us the, okay, so then what happened? And then, Mm -hmm. because I think that the reason I'm asking you this question for context, this is not the, so tell me about yourself question, Mm -hmm. just so you know, because like that question drives me bananas. (laughs) This question is really because I think so many people, especially in the early stages of their business think they have to get 
whatever they're putting out there right. Mm -hmm. And that it is going to be the thing forever. And you're a beautiful example of someone who has succeeded and really done a beautiful job sequentially with a Mm -hmm. lot of different things that have led you to today, which looks really different than it did 10 years ago. Um, So it's in the context of like, please don't be so darn attached to what you're doing right now because it might change. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I started out, you know, with a service business and then I moved to courses about social media. Then I co-founded B-School with Marie Forleo and we did that together. And then I left that and then I had, you know, my own social media course business, which was membership sites and courses and expensive ones and cheap ones and kind of playing around with every different angle of that model. And then in 2014, I launched my first software business, which is Meet Edgar. And I had never done software before. I'm not a developer. You know, I didn't build it myself. So that was a whole new business model for me, but in an industry that I already knew since I had been in online marketing and social media marketing. And Edgar is a social media automation tool. And it's awesome. And it's the best. And it's the best. It was actually really fun last year. A woman in my mastermind was like, was like, oh, I found this amazing tool and she's describing it and all the things. And she was like so excited about it. And I was like, what's it called? And she was like, it's called Meet Edgar. <laughs> and I was like, I know the founder. I'm so excited. You're so excited. It was really like a, such a sweet moment. So, okay. What made you want to transition from the info marketing world into software? What were the sticking points? Mm-hmm. What was working? What wasn't working? What happened? So I definitely had a love hate with doing courses. So my course business was much like, you know, yours or most course businesses where I was the content creator. I was the face of it. I was the teacher. You know, I did have a small team that helped me get stuff done in the business, but it wasn't a business that could really do that much without me because it was like, it was really all based on kind of what's in Laura's brain. We're going to sell it. We're going to take the brain and we're going to sell it, you know, in in glasses. It is such a disturbingly true description of what we do. Right. An infographic to go with this. I'm like breaking out in hives right now. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, anyone, you know, anyone who's done it, I'm sure can identify with some of that love hate where in one way it's great because there's, there's a lot of ease in that, right? You're like, Oh, I just say what's in my brain. And then people buy the class like that. That sounds cool. But you know, it comes with all the downside of you being so attached to your business, you being a public figure in, you know, some way, which I didn't, I didn't love. I enjoy public speaking. I don't mind, you know, being on the stage in various ways, but I'm not a person who's like, yes, that is my purpose is I have to be in front of people and I have to be sharing myself. That was like a talent that I have, but not necessarily how I want to spend my time on this planet. Which is ironic given the fact that one of your most successful courses was called Creating Fame. Creating Fame. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like I can, I can do it, but it's not really what I, what I love to do. And actually that was a big reason why I left B-School. So B-School had been like a side project for both of us. And then it got so successful so quickly that it was like, okay, well, this is clearly going to be a big deal and a big thing. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to attach myself to how big of a thing this already is and is going to be like, it just, it didn't feel like my path. Yeah. 
And that's like, I just want to congratulate you for the self-knowledge it takes to make Mm -hmm. that decision because I think most people would get so swept up in the shininess of it Mm -hmm. and in the like, of course I'm going to keep going on a train that's like headed to being big, right? Right. That... So can you talk a little bit more about that decision for you? Like, how did you know, you know, because I think we're all brainwashed to believe that bigger is better, Mm. more fame is better, more notoriety is better, more public is better, right? So how did you know that that wasn't right for you? So that was a really, a really life-changing experience for me because I really got evidence in the art of letting things be easy and seeing how that can work out for you. So, you know, the only way I can describe it is just, I felt intuitively, I loved it and I, and I still do, you know, love the program and the students and everything. But yeah, when I thought about how it looked for the next five years, I mean, one, I knew that I wanted to be a mom, you know, within the next five or 10 years or whatever, I didn't have kids at that time. And it was interesting reading Marie's book, Everything is Figure Outable, because you know, she's very true to herself in the book. And a big theme in the book is like, Maria's like a hard worker. You know, that's Maria's personality type is like, she hunkers down and she gets it done. And she has so much love and passion in doing that. I am not a hard worker. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. That is not me. That is not me. So in some ways like that, you know, worked together with us, but then in some ways it didn't because she's like, I want to write copy till 2am. And I'm like, I don't, that's not fun for me. (laughs) It's like, it's fun for you. It's not fun for me. So kind of looking at where that business was going, I just kind of had this feeling inside, like, it defies all logic, but this is not the thing. I guess it's kind of like having like a partner where you're like, I love them and I like them and like, it's going okay, but like, they're not my soulmate. Like this isn't, this isn't the one, you know, I think it was that sort of feeling, but it's not like when I left, I knew what was next or what would quote unquote replace it. Like I knew it was doing very well and making a lot of money, but it wasn't for me. And what ended up happening is Marie did buy me out. And basically I made way more money in the buyout than I had actively creating the program, which was so, it's like, I literally still remind myself of that. It's so hard to get through my head. It's like, okay, the most money you've ever made in one go by far was from leaving something. (laughs) you know, was from literally doing nothing. So it's like, I, I, you know, I mean, I had that experience so black and white. And the other part that was fascinating is really seeing afterwards that that project was not meant for me because it got a hundred times bigger and better without me. Yeah. You know, like another huge talent of Marie's is her creativity and like visual create. And like that also is like, she would kind of, she would be like, this is important. I was like, eh, like, what does it matter? And like, you know, it turns out like, no, she was right. It was really important. That's been a huge part of the B-School brand. And I do think that I held her back in some way and really creating her vision because now I see that she did like really create it obviously in this really huge and successful way. So it was just this incredible lesson in so many ways and listening to myself and letting it be easy. And like, no, you literally made a ton of money from walking away from something and it was better without you. Like not everything is for me. And you're better without it because it allowed you to step into the next iteration of your calling. 
Yes. I also just want to say, I will never forget the launch video of you guys in <laughs> the leotards dancing to Lady Gaga. Yeah, was it was cool. one of the most genius things I have ever seen. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, and just to give her credit, like she, like I said, I'm not like none of that was me. So she would literally be like, "Okay, be here at three o'clock." She surprised me with that video. I did not know. She didn't tell me about any of the costumes or anything because she, I think she knew I'd be kind of like, "I don't want to wear a Lady Gaga costume." So she literally was just like, "Be here at three o'clock," and then she's like, "We're doing a dance video in Lady Gaga costumes." Like, go. <laughs> I mean, I was game. So good way to so do wacky it. and wonderful. Was there? Like, I know in retrospect, looking back to be like, oh, I made more money doing leaving. But was it also, did you know it was like the right thing or was there, was it hard, you know, to, to leave something that you're building? You know, was there hesitation around it or did you feel it was super hard? Yeah. yeah, it was, it was super hard. I mean, it was the, the thing that was hardest was not wanting to disappoint Marie, right. Who was a close friend and my business partner. And I'm thinking like, oh, she's going to be so upset with me for walking away from this. And I mean, she, you know, at first the reaction, for, I mean, she was always supportive and she understood, but like, she wasn't like, oh, I'm so thrilled that you're telling me this right Which now. would also I mean, be you know? weird. Right. <laughs> oh, thank God you're Finally. leaving. Finally. <laughs> now I can so. build this thing. Yeah. Now I can well, dance in leotards all I want. Yeah, exactly. by myself. And I will. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to pull you along anymore. To right. I mean, which is basically, you know, in retrospect, what's happening, but yeah. So yeah, it was, it was super, it was super super hard and it didn't make any sense logically because it was such a great opportunity yeah I'm getting chills listening to this story I never knew this story because you know when things happen with things like I just I'm not one of those people who asks like what happened like I just feel like if people want to talk about it they will and otherwise like I'll just let it be so I love hearing this story because it's just I just feel like it's such a testament to the courage it takes to do the unpopular thing. Mm -hmm. And that when you do the unpopular thing, like you said, you made more money than ever before. The thing you left got better. You got better. And it was so easy afterwards. And so, okay. So then, so that happened. That was a chapter, the chapter closed. And here Mm -hmm. you are, then you're out on your own, you're doing your own thing. And what was the, so then what was that next leap I mean, of course, we can talk about the in-between, but I'm curious about the next leap from like, okay, now I'm doing info products, I'm rocking it, I have all these things, but now I'm building software. Mm-hmm. So talk about that transition. So that happened because I met my husband, Chris. That's really, that's really exactly why and how that happened because he is a software developer. So it was, you know, a year and a half or two years between when I left B-School and when Edgar launched. And yeah, just bringing that up. Because like you said, it's easy to look at these stories and be like, oh, she had everything perfectly lined up. And like, that's not how it happened. There was this in-between where I'm like, do I want to do courses? What do I want to do? I don't know. So basically, I met Chris and I had had a course called Social Brilliant, which you can still buy, actually, if you Google it. And that was the basis for the Edgar software. So basically I had a course where we were teaching people to do manually what Edgar does for you, which is like divide your content into categories and repurpose it. I think I need this course. Well, now you can just buy Edgar, by the way, you don't even have to, Edgar I, just does it for we you. It. We, yeah. It, yeah. Well, anyway, if you're not we, using it, maybe you do need to go. It's free for Edgar customers. So yeah, maybe go through the course. I, no, because we, I will just no, say we had like, Edgar 
and then we stopped using Edgar because of variety of reasons. And then now I think it's like, I so think we're going back. back on the train. Well, we're because the, Edgar train. the thing is it's like been a long journey. I'm your perfect <laughs> customer in many ways in that the sticking point is I create everything and I'm obsessed with doing new things right. because I'm, right. I don't know. My personality style is like, why use something old when I could create something new, which is totally not do less. And no. so, so it sounds like just from that one sentence you said that this whole thing is the do less way to deal with your social. It totally is. It totally is. Because it's like, yeah, stop like spinning your wheels trying to come up with new stuff all the time. You already have this huge library of content. Let Edgar oh just God. promote that content for you. Ten um, years worth. Yeah. I mean, anyone, and honestly, anyone with a podcast loves us because podcasts are almost always evergreen. You always want people listening to your old podcast episodes. You just okay, stick we're, them in. We're doing room. this. Oh my God. And then, yeah. Right. <laughs> and then also, everyone listening, you're doing this. <laughs> so, okay, so you had this course, Social right, Brilliant. Right. So I had the course because at the time, there was no software that could do it for you. You had to do it all manually. And so basically, like, I talked to Chris about the stuff I was teaching in the course and like, why don't tools do this? And he's just like, oh, well, I could build a tool that does that. So I said, we'll do it, you know, <laughs> and then, then build it already. And he, just because people ask this question a lot, like, did he leave a full-time job? He was already working freelance, working projects for a while, and then not working for a while, and we would travel. So it was easy for him to kind of slot this into his world. So we launched Meet Edgar in 2014 when I was pregnant. With my son, he was born in January 2015, and Edgar just had huge success right away. We reached a million in annual reoccurring revenue in our first year, which is really unusual for a bootstrap. Wow. So just right away, people were like, yes, we want this. We need this. That's so cool. Yeah, I love it. Okay. And then let's keep going. I know. Uh, Well, and so basically the question is, and then what happened? Yeah. So... (laughs) You had your son. We were with you eating like tuna melts like a couple days before you had your son. (laughs) Yeah. Luckily he didn't he didn't come out then. So Yeah, it was like the next day or something. I don't remember, but it was really soon. It was soon, yeah. So something unique about you know being pregnant when I launched the company is I knew that I would take a leave within our first year. So I planned on taking three months. I talked to a lot of amazing mom entrepreneurs and everyone told me, you know, plan to take a lot of time. You can always come back early if you really want to, but it kind of sucks if you tell people, oh, I'm only going to be two weeks and then it's six months. So, you know, plan to take more time and then I mean, take it. Honestly, it's a good advice, right? Just just take it. So I took a three-month maternity leave. So that was like right in the middle of, you know, this huge fast growth at the company. So that was this great forcing mechanism to be like, okay, well, I don't want to launch a company and then it just stop six months after I launch. I want it to keep going. So I really built the whole thing knowing that it needed to be able to survive and grow without me being there. Also, because I don't code, it's just this inherently different relationship that I have with this business because like, I can't fix it. You know, like, what am I going to do if the software's down, if something's really messed up? Like, I just don't, like, I literally just don't know what to do. So it, it was just the nature of the business model that it was not dependent on me. I'm not the person to come in when everything goes wrong, right? So 
I really had this goal in mind right from day one is, I mean, from day one, I'm like, I need to be able to take three months off. Then I need to be able to work part-time, which is what I did for that next year after my son's born. And longer term, I really want this to be a business that stands without me entirely, you know, like not just I can take three months off, but this is a business that can be sold. This is a business that can really function as a business where I'm just a shareholder and it's just like a little entity that is I mean, making a, a money. Giant a, gi- or a giant entity. Well, we're somewhere in between there. Yeah. 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 And, and I want you to downplay <laughs> what this is. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, fast forward five years later, which is where we are now, you know, it'll be the sixth year of Meet Edgar this year. And 2019 was the first year that I completely separated my income from my time, completely separated my income from my time. So I make and made a full-time salary plus, you know, some additional profit share from the business. And I did not ever need to spend time in the business. Now I chose to in 2019, we have a president who runs the company and I talk to her regularly, usually once a week, I pop in on our Slack and stuff, but if I need to be gone, there's nothing like, which I have for months at a time in 2019, there's nothing to prepare. It's just like, oh, hey, we're not gonna have our calls for a few weeks. And it's like, okay, cool. And that's, that's it. So that was like, and all my reflecting that I just did on the last year, I'm like, whoa, that's really big. That's been a big goal of mine for a long time. And now I'm actually there. That's sexy. I have so many questions. <laughs> Ask them all. <laughs> Like how, well, we have a software up idea that Kate came up with the other day. We're going to have to talk to Laura about that at yeah, another time. So, yeah. Of course. Well, no, we can't do it. It's too, way too early. We can't tell people. I just, well, I'm just making sure. Cause you yeah. do have a tendency. No, 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 no. Not, This is the billion. This is the, this is the, this is the meet Edgar idea for the Kate and Mike. Uh, Maybe. We'll for see. The Kate. Yeah. Okay. So how did that feel? Yeah. Like going 2019. Cause you know, it's like working running your own company, like it's on 24 seven, almost all the time, you know, but like, how did it feel to like in 2019 to not have to do that? Okay. So I didn't realize how good it was until I was pouting about this other thing that I did not get, which was that <laughs> I told you about like a big realization that yeah. I recently had. So I was listening to Brooke Castillo's podcast, the life coach school, which I, I have heard good things about. Of. Oh my God. It's so, it's so okay. good. I'm writing it and she was talking about being inspired by Amy Porterfield's success, who obviously is, you know, a friend of both of ours. And she was talking about how, I guess Amy was at like 10 million plus revenue this past year. And when I listened to the podcast, I thought that's not fair. Meet Edgar is not at 10 million revenue. How come Amy gets more revenue than me? I want to have as much revenue as Amy Porterfield. And I started feeling like, I started feeling bad about it. And I'm like, man, like what is going on here? Why do I feel bad about this? And I'm like, okay, what have I been focused on creating for the past five years really? And I realized that my goal has not been 10 million in revenue. My goal has been to not have to work and still make money. I did that. And it's, you know, it's hard to see when you're in it because you're just used to it. It's like, you know, when you make more money, you're like, oh, whatever. I only make 500,000 this year, right? That's that's not very good. Like, it's so easy to just get acclimated to wherever you are and not see it. And I really didn't see what a huge accomplishment 
it was until I had this contrast of like seeing someone else's. I'm like, oh, Amy's goal was to make 10 million and she did it. Awesome. Oh, wait, that wasn't my goal. Like I thought it was my goal for a second because I was feeling, I was comparing myself, but actually she achieved her goal and I achieved my goal too. Mine was different. And like, that's when I really got it. And it also just made me think about how I do believe that like, we often get what we want and we don't realize that's what we wanted. Like sometimes we have a little like pity party about where we are and then we're like, oh, actually that's like exactly what I have been aligning. Sometimes for better or for worse, right? It's like, oh yeah, I put all the forces in my life to getting this. Like, of course, this is what I got. And it was like, oh, I actually got exactly what I wanted. Cool. And like, don't be mad that I got exactly what I wanted and not this other thing that I wasn't aiming for. Well, and I think that's a muscle we all have to build, especially in this world of like access to the interior of so many other people's mm-hmm. lives. First of all, to remember that it's false, that we aren't actually getting access to the interior of other people's lives. Number one, we're just getting access to the parts that they want to talk about mm-hmm. publicly. And then number two, it is, I think, you know, I'm not a neuroscientist, but I have a rudimentary understanding of the fact that our brain is wired for survival. And so part of that, because we are animals, is looking out at other humans as competition and then comparing ourselves. And so we do this somewhat toxic one up, one down thing automatically because we're constantly searching for our rank, which I think is a survival mechanism. And instead we have to build the muscle of the thrive mechanism because many of us listening to this podcast, I'm not listening, I'm doing the podcast, (laughs) but our community, you know, Yes, we're all in survival mode in certain areas of our life, but like we also have opportunities for thriving and that muscle that you were building of like, wait a second, hold the phone. What is actually my goal? So it's the muscle of going from external to internal and we have to train ourselves to do that hundreds of times Mm -hmm. a day. Mm -hmm. So we are no longer checking externally for how we're doing, but we're checking internally for how we're doing. So that was just such a beautiful example of that. Can you talk about, like, before we start recording, because building off what we were talking oh, about. I right said now. before we start recording, right? I was like, we've been recording <laughs> this whole time. You were talking about. I don't know about, what you're doing, but I'm doing a podcast. Well, no, I, I mean, it's happening. Um, <laughs> With Laura. Let's start over. We're just going to shut it down and start over. <laughs> no. You talked about two books that you are currently reading, mm-hmm. and they're the, looking at the different, there was difference between the two of them. Can you dive into that a little bit, please? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I recently read The Miracle Equation by Hal Elrod, which is uh, basically like a goal setting book and kind of the equation, the miracle equation was unwavering faith plus extraordinary effort. So it's, you know, basically like you keep putting action in day by day and you have to have faith that what you're doing is going to work out. Otherwise, you're not going to be motivated. So I'm like, okay, this makes sense to me. Cool. And then immediately after I read this book, I start rereading The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer, which I had read a few years ago when it first came out. And I just think certainly if you're a human that listens to this podcast, you have to read The Surrender Experiment. It's just so inspiring and so good. Have you guys read it? No. I haven't read the the Surrender Experiment, but I read the first one. Yeah. Which is Uh, much harder to get through. I have a little trouble with um, The Untethered Soul, but the Surrender Experiment is much more like narrative and memory. So the whole idea of the Surrender Experiment is he's like, 
stop listening to your mind's chatter about what you like or don't like, or it's supposed to be like this, or it's supposed to be like that, and accept all the gifts that life has given you. And what we get from accepting life is so much greater than the goals that we try to build for. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's so interesting to me because I've definitely had this surrender experience exactly like he talks about where all the best things that have happened to me are not like things that I wrote down and then did 20 steps to achieve, you know, whether it's like having a cool experience or meeting someone, it's just like someone texts you and they're going to be in Laguna. And then you have this amazing time with, I remember one time I was in Laguna, I ended up doing stand up paddleboarding with James Wedmore and we were surrounded by dolphins. Like I hadn't written that. I didn't know that was a thing that could happen to me. Like it was so, so cool. it was so cool, you know? And so, yeah, he just talks about living in this really flow receiving state of like, I'm just going to accept what life throws at me and I'm going to be okay with it. And the bonus is there's probably going to be some really cool stuff that life is going to throw at me. And so it just made me think about, you know, balancing these two ideas, right? And are they opposites? Because in some ways, they are opposites. Like, as I'm reading Hal's book, in some ways, I'm getting inspired. And in other ways, like, this phrase, extraordinary effort, is a very exhausting phrase, right? As You're soon like, as you said it, I was like, <laughs> yeah. hell no. <laughs> extraordinary effort. You know, it's like, it just makes you feel like every day you're going to be, you know, no excuses. It doesn't matter how many hours I've already done. I'm going to put in that last hour. And I know that that's not how I like to live. And I do think that if you are doing that, you can get so focused on whatever you decided was your path. It can make you kind of not pop your head up and look around and be like, wait, is this even what I want to be doing anymore? Is this even where I want to be? And, you know, the other thing about it is when I think about the things that make my life fulfilling and the kind of life I want to have, so many of them are really hard to tie any kind of concrete goal to, you know, like enjoying time with your children, right? Like that's like, that's what makes life good, right? That's when extraordinary you're... effort. <laughs> Sometimes it is. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's what Hal was talking about. No, yeah. but I will say like every time I surrender yes. to like, oh, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I'm on the floor with my kids. I'm yeah. like, oh, actually this is really fun. If I that's just great. let go of all the other things I think I should be doing. Yeah. And that's like, you know, we know that like the real joy in our life comes from, you know, spending time with friends, spending time with our loved ones. Right. And you can't really like write down a goal of how you're going to spend 30 minutes a day, making sure that you get like joy from your two year old, you know, it's just like, it's ridiculous. It's, it's yeah. It's it's a ridiculous. It it's, it's setting it up. For, could you imagine? Okay, from six a.m. to six thirty, I'm gonna get joy from my. Oh my god! This morning, speaking of two-year-olds, so Ruby's twenty-one months. Oh, we kind of missed it. It was like a couple days ago. It was yesterday. She was twenty-one Today. months. Today. Oh, it's today. Yeah. She's t twenty. Yeah. Happy birthday, child. Ruby. A happy, you know, monthly birthday, whatever. Yeah. She sat on the kitchen counter this morning, and so she's just headed into that two-year-old like her ego and her will is developing. Uh, and I tried to, oh, I told her she couldn't have a second banana because she hadn't eaten the first one yet. <laughs> oh yeah. She, I bet she did not like that. No, she screamed no 
so loudly. Mike and I burst out laughing. It was like the funniest thing. Penelope started crying. Penelope started crying because she said it was too loud. Oh my God, I almost died. It was so cute and so hilarious, which is like the worst response, but I, whatever. I just was like, oh my God, you're hilarious. Okay. So yes, enjoying spending time with your two-year-old. Yeah. So it's, it's just like, it's just this very interesting question of what are we meant to do, especially when we're, you know, have achievements that we want to have with our business or with our life. Like, are we meant to make these lists and put forward effort every day or are we meant to surrender or are we meant to do both? Like, what do you guys think? Gosh, it's a great question. I'll answer that question, but I want to ask you one first has that changed for you over time, right? Like, so if we talked about kicking it off, kind of how you started business, B-school, the whole thing, and now you've had kids, et cetera. So has that, would you say you kind of like was vying one direction and then now you're moving into this place of, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. yeah. So I think what I'm trying to discover now is, how to do the surrender part with work, which actually is what the book is about, about like how he does it with his company and all these incredible things that happen to him. So I feel like I've always, you know, obviously not in every moment, but I've largely done it with my, I guess, sort of personal life, like live this idea, like these cool experiences are going to come to me and I'm going to just enjoy them. But with work, it's just a lot easier to have a lot more control, right? Because you can write down the things you're going to do and then do them. You can't control the outcome, but it's, and especially if you don't have kids and you can just work all day and no problem. And like, you feel good about having that schedule, you can get a lot done. You can achieve a lot, you know, once you have kids, it can't, I mean, it doesn't change for everybody. Right. But I made the choice and a lot of people make the choice that they don't want to work even eight hours a day, every day, right? So you have a lot less time. So I think for me, that's what I'm really interested in discovering is like how to be a lot more surrendery with, it's like, how do you accept what happens with your work, but then also create what you want to create and make things happen with your company that you want to happen? Mm-hmm. So I think that like what we're talking about here is this fundamental conversation about the masculine and feminine energy, right? Mm-hmm. The yin and the yang. And so I'm not talking about men and women because obviously this book was written by a man and you're a woman and Mike's a man, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, we're not talking about gender binary. We're talking about these two fundamental energies that really do exist on the planet, which is like the go get them energy and then mm-hmm. the surrender energy. Mm-hmm. And I think that mostly in the business world because it's results oriented, right? We have a business to get a certain result. We can be overexpressed in the Hal Elrod miracle right. equation side of go get them energy and underexpressed in the surrender experiment in the yin receiving surrender. I mean, so I read a really interesting study today, which is like, I think this is just such a perfect example that actually our brain. <laughs> back to the brain. Back to neuroscience. <laughs> so our brain registers negativity in like two seconds. It's mm-hmm. like immediate. I registered the negativity. I filed it away. That was important information because again, survival orientation. Mm-hmm. We all have a negativity bias because of survival, mm-hmm. but If we want to rewire ourselves to be more attuned to the positive, we actually need to sit with and focus on 
the positive. So what it feels like to snuggle with your kid or a positive email that you receive or how it feels to drink warm coffee or whatever. Like we need to hold that for 10 to 20 seconds in order for it to register. The reason I'm bringing this up is because when it comes to our wiring and our central nervous system and our biology, we actually have to work on reprogramming ourselves to open up to, to surrender to feeling good because we are wired for what's bad. Yeah. Like, let me pay attention to that. And so this whole surrendering piece, and like you said that he talked about, like if we're so goal oriented and focused on the steps to get what we want, we may very well be missing the gifts. And a lot of that is because of the way our brains work, but we can change it. And so I'm just focusing, I just literally read that this morning. So I'm just focusing Mm -hmm. today and moving forward on like, okay, each positive thing, like let's savor it for 10 to 20 minutes so that we can improve upon our ability to surrender and receive and not miss out on the gifts that are actually right here. So. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking about how this applies to business and, you know, one way that it applied for me. So something else that's happened in life that we haven't touched on is about two years ago, I moved from the U S to the UK and our whole Edgar team is in the U S the time zone thing is a huge challenge really just like does not work out because it's evening in the UK when it's the work day in the US, especially Pacific time. And yeah, I have little kids. Evening is not work time for me. It's dinner time, bedtime and you know, all that, all that good stuff. So I didn't move to the UK in order to take another step away from my business, but it was just a thing that happened. You know, I saw that I really could not be hands-on and that really accelerated me moving someone else into this president role so that I would be totally out of the business. And it's just a great example of where you can be at a crossroads where you can go with something or fight it. I could have said, no, I'm just going to, I have to shift my work schedule to the evening and that's just how it is. And I'm, you know, I guess I'll hang out with my kids in the morning. I don't want to do that, but that's what I have to do because that's what's required of me in the business. Or you can say, oh, okay. I, okay. Life. I see what's happening. Like this isn't working out anymore. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with it. And we're always happier if we're not fighting reality. Right. So yes. don't <laughs> totally. fight it. First of all, I just wanted to say that I read about that study, if anybody's interested, in the book called Patriarchy Stress Disorder by Dr. Valerie Rain. And so I'm curious now, so I want to know, like, when you decided, okay, like, I'm moving to the UK, the time zone, it's not going to work, I want more free time with my kids, whatever. How did you go about finding this person? So the person who's the president of our company has been with us from the beginning, and before she had this title, she was head of operations. She was always the one who was like de facto in charge when I was on maternity leave. So what I want to bring up though, is I know it's easy to listen to that and be like, oh, well, I don't have that person in my business. Like, you know, so this doesn't apply to me. Like I'm so easy for Laura, but even though I had what in retrospect was a really easy fit to move into this role, it wasn't that obvious to me right away. You know, and I I moved her into the role literally a year before I said I would. I had this grand plan in my mind where I'm like, okay, my son starts, it's called reception here, and they start a year earlier than kindergarten. I'm like, when he starts reception in fall of 2019, that's when I'm going to move someone to the president role. I don't know. That was just like, in my head, that's what I decided. And 
a year before that in the fall of 2018, I swear to God, it's because of some inspirational quote on Instagram. I don't, I don't remember what the quote was, but I'm like scrolling through Instagram and there's some sort of like, do it today, you know, live life today. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but you know how these things are. Like you never know what's going to make you have that epiphany in your mind. And for some reason I read this cheesy inspirational quote on Instagram and I'm like, why am I waiting a year? Like I could just, I've already talked to her about this. I already have decided this is what I'm going to do. Like, why don't I just do it today? So I talked to her and I'm like, why don't we just make this change today instead of a year from now? And so she's like, okay, you know, so like, sounds good. And so, yeah, I wasn't quote unquote ready. I didn't have all the pieces lined up, but I'm like, you know what? Again, kind of, I guess looking now that I'm telling the story, I'm like, that was the path of most ease, right? That was just like, okay, well, I have this person that I think is a good fit and she could just start doing it now instead of a year from now. I don't know if it's going to work out perfectly. I don't know if she's going to be the right person, but this would be really easy if we just tried this. So let's try it. Okay. Oh, so many questions. I want to know with you in your role, so she's running things. You can go away for months at a time if you want, though it sounds like obviously you find joy in connecting in with your company and doing things when you want to. Has anything come up for you around feeling like you don't deserve this or you shouldn't be able to do this? Or like, is there any story like that? Any mind chatter about worthiness? I've and if not, that's totally great. <laughs> yeah, the, the side that's come up for me the most is the benefit I get as the owner versus the employees. Like that's where the worthiness stuff has come mm-hmm. up for me is kind of this idea of like, well, it's, you know, it's not fair that I don't have to work and they do quote unquote have to work and I get to make this money without working and they have to work for the money. So that it's actually, it hasn't come up so much about not working at all. It's just kind of the structure yeah of the whole thing. And I mean, what I kind of tell myself about that is just that obviously we all chose how we want to spend our time, you know, also like the developers have the highest salaries at our company because that's a highly paid job. And anyone on the team could learn to be a developer just like they did. You know, they spent time to learn it and that's what they decided to do for their career. So it's the same, right? Anyone could be a business owner and put in that time to go in that path. Anyone can be a customer service person, right? We've all chosen what path we want to be on. Mine has some cool benefits where this is one of the benefits that you can achieve. So that's kind of how I look at it when that comes up for me of like, oh, that's not, that's not fair. Well, it's kind of cool because in your story, there's these two very distinct examples of you putting in your intellectual property and Mm. your ideas Mm. and then getting a really big payout for your ideas and what's inside your brain. You know, with leaving B-School and creating that, but then getting paid afterwards and then meet Edgar and how it runs without you. Like, it's so awesome. Yeah, it's, I guess, a different way. You're breaking the model of like, oh, you have to trade hours for dollars, which is just like how we all Mm -hmm. were ingrained. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. definitely. So I love having living examples that we can remind ourselves like, wait a second, Laura is an example of like, because my favorite way to change a belief is to focus on the examples that prove it wrong. So you're a good one. Oh, you know what? I had one of those that really helped me. I read this article years ago about Francine Pascal 
Kate, okay. do you know who Francine Pascal is? No, but I'm writing it down. Author of The Babysitter's Club. No, author of oh. Sweet Valley High. Not The oh. Babysitter's Club, I Sweet mean, Valley High. I read all of Sweet those Valley books. Twins. That's, yeah. I mean, I thought so. That's why I, you know, asked. <laughs> so, so she was the author of the Sweet Valley series. Now, she is, you know, credited on the books as the author. Oh. But like a lot of bigger artists, she for years and years did not write any of the books, right? Like she came up with Elizabeth and Jessica. She came up with the characters and then other people wrote them. And there was this article. I have it saved. So I'll have to dig it up so you can link to it in the show notes. I would like to read it again as yeah, well. That'd be there's, great. there's this article where they talked about like the mechanics of the company because someone, it was like, listen to my story. I write the sweet value books. Isn't that interesting? And so they talked about how Francine Pascal lives in this chateau in France and like people write the books and every so often she phones in and she's like, Jessica would not say that. And then they're like, okay, well, we'll change that one. And I was so inspired by this idea of like Francine living her life, creating this Sweet Valley universe with other people, just churning out the actual books. And that story totally gave me that example of like people can create things and not be the ones doing all the work forever. So good. What's the Will Smith song about Miami? Um, getting jiggy with it. No. <laughs> Welcome, to Miami. Welcome, Welcome to Miami. Welcome to Miami. <laughs> Same that's album. That's exactly how that song was created as well. He like told the songwriter, this is right when he met Jada. They came in. The songwriter was there. He's like, we should write a song about a city. They like, Miami's the best. They came up with it. The songwriter wrote it. He went to lunch with Jada, came back, was like, yeah, let's do that. And then he recorded it and that was it. You know, like, but he, re, all he did was record the song. He didn't actually write all the lyrics for Now, it. every club in Miami, when the tourists come, they play that song. Right. He totally. makes a little money. It's yeah. so amazing. And I also just want to say, like, back to the conversation around life path and, you know, the people who work with you versus being the owner, Francine Pascal versus whatever, mm-hmm. like all the people. A, there's a, you know, there's a subtext conversation here about, privilege and we could certainly address Mm -hmm. that but I just want to note it but the other piece that I also believe is like not everybody wants to be a business owner yes right this is like this is your life path which is going to look different than our version of it which is certainly going to look different than Marie's like you said she's just a hard worker like Marie is not going to be Francine Pascal yeah Marie loves to work and I would say probably Amy is the same yes you and I are probably cut a little bit more from the same cloth yeah and like I I could be Francine (laughs) yeah I do love to, I mean, I do love to work. It's, it's tricky, right? But anyway, yeah. like, I just want to say, if you're listening, being like, oh, well, you know, not everyone can go be Francine Pascal. No, they can't because right. that's not everybody's purpose. Right. And, you know, something I want to add to that that I wish would get talked about more is that something that I really hate that's said in the business community is like that you get paid for as much value as you bring because there are a whole lot of people in this world bringing a whole lot of value and not getting paid for it. And it's so important to recognize that like the value that you create in this world is not tied to your income. And I think it's important Mm. on both sides, right? Because in one way you need to know that so that you're not feeling bad about like, why am I not making money? I'm creating all this value. And then the other way you need to be like, yeah, making money is like a skill 
that you can learn. It's not about how much value you create. It's like there is this specific structure for like selling things and how people it's like so to buy things and pricing things. Like it's, it's a skill to learn. It's and like you, quilting. Right. Like you could also learn to quilt. Right. True. There's a lot of things that are negative value to the earth and to humans mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. make a lot of money. Yeah. Right. Right. Or all the teachers at my kids' schools are not the most highly paid people, right? Are they like literally like changing thousands of children's lives? Yes. You know? So I just, I think it's related that I want to bring it up. Like, yes, we have our different paths and some of us are on paths that make a lot of money. Some of us are not. We can change that if we want to. It's okay to not want to make a ton of money also or not have that be your path. Right. Because more is not necessarily better. Mm. I also I just, have a question. Okay. But I want to recognize one thing and then you can ask your question. Okay. I want to recognize in the context of this conversation that also in your creation of meet edgar you have also unlocked for millions of people the ability to create more wealth for themselves mm -hmm. create a bigger impact and unlock more freedom and that is why so your possibilities extending to the possibilities of other people multiply and that's why you totally should be getting paid because it's the idea that makes it all possible for other people also Okay. Yeah, the idea of putting into a business model that makes yeah. money. Right. Yeah. I just want to shift gear because we're coming toward the end. So we've talked a lot about, you mentioned this earlier about like your story, right? So there's people listening here that are not Laura, mostly everyone else, right? So <laughs> if you are Laura, call me. I'm yeah, I mean, you could have the name Laura, but the rotor is usually pretty unique. Uh, like what's your recommend? Because now you've worked with like, you have built a business with B-School helping people get started in their company. Mm -hmm. You have now gone to a software, the software route. And then now you've kind of like an element of, there's an element of retiring in 2019, mm -hmm. just like do what's next, you know, and you'll figure out as this progresses, what that looks like for you. But like what, because a lot of people listening to this podcast are new business owners, mm -hmm. right? So like, what is it your, and we talked about how it's easier to create things now software wise because you can drag and drop things versus custom coding everything back in the day. It's cheaper, the whole thing. So like, what is your advice for business owners that are getting started maybe a year in, maybe $10,000, $20,000 in revenue? Because you also learned how to build a company, yeah. right? With management, people, right. et cetera. Right. So not everybody listening here that's running a business has 10 employees, mm -hmm. full-time employees, mm -hmm. a lot of contractor work, et cetera. So, if you were to start now, what would that look like for yourself? The way I always think of it is it takes a lot of work to build any business. So you should work towards the one that you want. Right. And like we've talked about, that doesn't mean that you're going to start on day one with the ideal vision. I don't know if that ever happens, but if you are thinking about like that, it's really important to you to have a lot of time freedom in your business, then you can see futures where that's possible. Like I have a friend who has a consulting business. She has little kids. And when she went off on her own to do the consulting, we talked about how she can build her model from day one that she will not be the one delivering the service, right? She can just charge more for the service and then she has someone working for her who delivers it and she does like the sales component. That's a way right from the beginning of your business 
you know, that you can spend less time in it. And a lot of people I find never think to do, it's like, oh, well, once I've done it for 10 years, then I could have someone else delivering the service. Like it's a choice you can make at any time that also has trade-offs. Like some people never want to manage anyone else. Well, if you don't manage anyone else, you or some sort of software is going to have to do all the work, which is cool if you'd rather do that than ever manage anyone else. Or you can, there are certainly lots of professions out there where you do get paid when you don't work, like writing a song, like writing a book, like being a, you know, I always think about like book agents, you know, they get a percentage forever from the books. Like it's not, people think it's this crazy thing to have quote unquote passive income. Like there are a lot of different paths that you can take to get there if that's what you're looking for. So I think, you know, when you're at the level where, yeah, maybe you're making like 10 or $20,000 a year, it's not too soon to start thinking about, is this the business model that I want to have? And what just sort of step-by-step can I start taking to make my business go in that direction to look more like how I ultimately want it to look? That's a brilliant I love that. Thank you so much. Laura, this has been such a great conversation. I'm very excited about it (laughs) for a variety of reasons. I'm really happy for you. Um, AKA, I have lots of ideas. That means I have a lot of ideas. I may have some follow-up questions. (laughs) Um, But just thank you for sharing your wisdom and thank you for, you know, being transparent around your journey because I think it certainly has helped me listening to your story. And I know it will have helped a lot of people who really want that freedom in their lives and just breaking this idea that we have to suffer at the altar of our businesses, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Cause we don't, we don't, and you're a living example. Is there anything else that you would like to leave our listeners with? First of all, where should they come to sign up for meet Edgar? You can sign up for Meet Edgar at meetedgar.com and you can use the coupon code podcast in all caps, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and that'll get you your first month free. So you can check it out without spending any money, which is always nice. Yeah. And yeah, I think the last thought is just, you know, I love places like this where we can have conversations around different kinds of success like you said, we see so many external goalposts that it can be very easy to question ourselves and compare ourselves and think that what we're doing is not enough. So, you know, I just want to remind myself and everyone listening that it's okay to just want what you actually want, even if that's really simple or it doesn't sound that impressive to other people. Amen to that. Mm. Yeah. Thank you, Laura. Thanks for being here. Thank you. You're great. (laughs) If you want to grow, scale, or start a business and utilize the internet to leverage yourself and get bigger results with less effort, the do less way, then you need to know about B-School. B-School is 11 years running, has a bajillion success stories, including Mike and I, and was created by our friend Marie Forleo, eight-figure business owner and New York Times bestseller of Everything is Figureoutable. This year, we are offering a beautiful do less, achieve more bonus package so that you can get the best results from the program with the least amount of energy and friction expended. So all you need to do to learn more is go to katenorthrop.com forward slash b-school. 
This opportunity only comes around one time a year and now might be your time. So check it out. KateNorthup.com forward slash B-School.